You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. What's up, Kraken fans? Welcome to episode 31, a.k.a. the German Gentleman, a.k.a. our boy, the Groomeister of Keeping Up with the Krakens, brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network and sponsored by DraftKings. Use promo code THPN for exclusive offers. This is your co-host of the pod, Tyler Bell, coming from the Rocky Mountains of Alberta, Canada, and once again joined by my fellow co-host of the pod, Alec Durham. How are you doing on this Monday evening, Alec? Not too bad now. Uh, I kind of had a bit of a recovery day, you know, got after it a bit with the fellas yesterday, had a good round of golf and then decided to play some spike ball afterwards. So, uh, you know, had to stay hydrated. Dude, I am so jelly of that. The fact that you're out there playing golf already. I, I wish that was the case here, but uh, we're still dealing with the snow. Haven't had the nicest weather yet. So still waiting on that, but uh, that's pretty solid, man. Uh, how'd you, uh, how'd you shoot? I don't know. I didn't add it all up. You know, just first couple rounds of the year, just trying to find the swing again. <laughs> didn't add it up. Well, come on. What's that all about? Uh, we decided to just get drunk on the golf course instead. <laughs> nah, that's fair. It's that's uh, what your second time out already. Yep. Yeah, it was not too bad. I mean, sunny in twenty five, so couldn't complain. Yeah, that's ridiculous. I we haven't had plus thir well, plus thirteen, I think is the highest here. But yeah, way better than my weekend, man. I uh I was sick all weekend, had a bad head cold, it's curled up the one day, just couldn't leave my bed, dude. It sucked. But uh yeah, starting to feel better now. Still got the sniffles, still, you know, still a little plugged up, but uh ready to do the podcast, man. And uh yeah, we had a lot of uh, exciting games this week with the Kraken, didn't we? Yeah, we definitely did. You know, like we expected two wins, what we were shooting for there, just not where we were seeing the second one to come from. That's for sure. Holy shit. Hey, but uh, plus one on your part, you were the one who called two wins happening there. So, uh, you know, that's a plus for, plus one for you right off the bat here. Oh, thank you. You're so kind. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But uh, yeah, what did they get? They started things off against... My other favorite team, the Ottawa Senators, on April 18th there. Game number 75 already in the season here. And, uh, yeah, it was a bit of a battle of the bottom dwellers, wasn't it? 
Yeah, I mean, Ottawa and Seattle going at it. It was a chance to see a couple uh, future superstars maybe in the NHL in action with Tim Stutzla for the Sens, of course, and Matty Beneers for your Seattle Kraken. Yeah, it was exciting. And uh, yeah, the Sens came into it with, uh, you know, having one up on uh, on the Kraken, having beat them in the previous matchup, a nice 4-3 overtime win. So it was the Kraken's turn to to pull off a win in this one, wasn't it? Yeah, and it was a game where the Kraken, for uh, the first time in franchise history, would come back from a three-goal deficit in the third to tie the game and send it to extra time, too. Yeah, in that fi- in that uh, last matchup there, that was exciting the way they came back in that third period against the Sens there. I remember that uh, not too long ago. But uh, yeah, the lines in this one pretty much stayed the same. You know, last win against... Uh, our last game was against New Jersey there. They picked up a pretty exciting win. The only exception that changed was uh, Chris Drieger getting a shot in net against the Sens for this matchup. Not too bad to see there, too. He's been playing pretty well as of late. Both goalies have been, honestly. I mean, we've been talking about the goals against being down for this team since the deadline there. So get them both as much ice as you can. Oh, yeah, for sure. And, uh, yeah, jumping right into the first period, man. Just a couple shifts into the hockey game, and uh, Vince Dunn would catch a pretty nasty high stick from Parker Kelly right behind the Kraken's net there, and that would send Seattle on a big four-minute power play to start the game off. Yeah, a nice early cut to the face for Dunn, eh? You know he was feeling great the rest of the game. Oh, dude, he you know he was feeling pretty good because he would actually help set up that very first goal of the game, getting an assist on Daniel Sprong's one-time power play goal, his very first goal in uh, eight games for him. Yeah, that's that streakiness we were talking about there, right? He'll hopefully score for the next four or five and close out the season pretty strong for Seattle, who, by the way, had a great start to this game, establishing a lead early and keeping the momentum on their side. Yeah, no kidding. And uh, we've seen a little bit of rough stuff in front of the Sens net too. Uh, Kuhlman gets right into the grills of Hamannick. So he ends up taking a jab right to the face and uh, from Hamannick there. And that would send Hamannick off for two minutes. So they'd go back to another power play chance there. And another couple real dangerous looks for Seattle once again. Beneers just looking so dangerous on the power play off the half wall there. Yeah, like he he's just always able to find some kind of passing lane and actively goes to the net whenever the pucks are thrown there. Uh, we already talked about it, but yeah, this guy just makes that power play look so much more dangerous and more exciting to watch. Yeah, really making it more of a threat from both sides there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, what, shots were what, 9-1 to one for the Kraken halfway through the first period. They were pouncing all over the Sens, not giving them any room out there, and just looking like a confident group out there. Yeah, once they got Matty Beneers in the lineup, this team really just looked like a different team up front. A little bit more confidence, more swagger, you could say. Oh, completely, dude, completely. And, uh, yeah, well, I think it was like 6.05 left in the first Dr. Seuss would take a penalty after, you know, he gave Kachuk a good jab to the face. So returning the Hamannick jab from earlier in the period, I I like to see it. I like to see that, you know, those are two players who like to play on the rough side of, uh, of the game for sure. Yeah. And then, uh, since Ottawa didn't score, you could say those last couple of punches were fair trade off. eh? Oh yeah. hundred percent worthy of the penalty for sure. I'd say that. And that first period, man, wrapped up with the Kraken, 
controlling most of the play and they they take that one nothing lead right into the second period not only that an 11 to 3 shot advantage too so the, just uh almost a perfect period you could say for that first period against ottawa there yeah i mean that's exactly what you're looking for the first 20 to start a game really put the other team on their heels mm-hmm yeah, exactly. And then, uh, you know, jumping right into the second period, just a minute 12 into it, uh, Brady Kachuk would take the feed from Connor Brown. He would power his way to the net and just bangs home his own rebound. And that would tie the game up pretty quickly. And then after that, the physicality would pick up even more. A cycle from Ottawa's fourth line there finds the back of the net from Nick Holden seeing eye point shot. Yeah, and honestly, that's just a goal that you can't be giving up if you're Seattle, not to Ottawa's fourth line, uh, you know, a week one to give up. And th that's one of those ones where you got to shut down that fourth line. You can't let them get a cycle in. And then you take a look at that shot, too. It was a pretty weak point shot from Nick Holden, but it just was able to find a seam and and go in and give them the quick little lead there. Yeah, but I did like their response the very next shift when you get Kuhlman and Gord working the puck low there and creating a couple of prime scoring chances for themselves there. Oh, man, I know. Just a couple of honey badgers, dude. I, the chemistry those guys have together is is just fantastic. And then, yeah, guess who, dude? Maddie the Baddie dipping in Adam Larson's point shot for his second goal in as many games. Ties the game up for the Kraken with just under half the period to play. Again, we get to see Maddie Beneers back in action, making points happen, making things happen, right? So uh, he's showing that he can get things done in every way. Yeah, he's definitely going streaking to start his career. Yeah, no kidding. Like the kid's just so impressive, perfectly executed tip right there. And that would help tie that game right, right up for the Kraken and then uh, gave him all that momentum back in this period. And thanks to that momentum, they weren't done there either. Wenberg does a Superman puck grab in the neutral zone, turns it into a three-on-two for Seattle, and he feeds it to Donskoy, who immediately finds Victor Rask, and he'll snap it home through the slot or uh, through the body of Forsberg, grabbing the lead right back for the Kraken. Yeah, and uh, the game was kind of turning into a bit of a seesaw battle there, but uh, that was a beautifully executed goal. And yeah, after that too, th things started to pick up on uh, the physicality, didn't it? We'd see uh, after a couple big hits were thrown from Susie and then Formanton from the Sens, uh, we'd see like Hayden Fleury, he'd come uh, stand up for his own teammate, decides to drop the mitts with, uh, with Alex Formanton there. And they had a pretty solid tilt between the two middleweights. Yeah, that was a decent little slugfest there. A couple of good rights thrown there, but uh, it was a little fucked up because the Kraken actually ended up with a power play out of the whole mess. I mean, I love it, but it's a little weird that we end up with the extra like, man advantage. Yeah, that was a, a bit of a weird one out of that scenario, but I guess you know the, the ref's trying to calm the game down a bit, so he's taking one extra. And uh, Beneers ended up coming so close to popping his second of the game, but uh, Forsberg just comes across just in time with his foot. I think it was his right foot there and just robs Beneers, but uh, so, so close. And yeah, man, uh, like like we mentioned last episode, just how much better fucking the power play looks with Beneers out there. It's just, uh, you know, we're just going to keep repeating that because it's true every single time we see him. 
Yeah, and Ottawa would end up taking another penalty, letting us look at that improved power play. And Seattle would carry a minute of that power play time into the third period with a one-goal lead and a larger shot advantage of 22-10. to 10. Yeah, and uh, just 10 shots against through two periods. That's some pretty damn impressive play from the Kraken there. And, uh, you know, Ottawa can be a tough team to play against uh, on certain nights, but uh, they just didn't look like they had it in this game. And, uh, you know, credit to the Kraken because they just shut them down all night long, man. Yeah, and speaking of the Kraken, unfortunately, to start the third, they didn't muster up too much on the rest of the power play there, but they do manage to get another strong penalty kill against the Sens, not even letting them register a shot against on the man advantage. Yeah, and that, that was pretty impressive too. I mean, yeah, they were just shutting them down all night perfectly. And then this third period, man, like we talked about the physicality in the second, but things ramped up even more in the third period. And it almost had like a playoff feel where every time a guy touched the puck, uh, you know, he was getting uh, getting hit by, by the opposite opposite team there so uh i was really enjoying this third period of this hockey game yeah and then after an amazing one-man effort by yanny gord to win a puck battle he'll find kevin coolman streaking carson carson coolman why did i say kevin, kevin? who the hell kevin, kevin coolman? coolman i don't know we'll run with it Finds carson coolman streaking into the zone with speed hits him with a crispy pass and he's gonna make a juke play and then score dude i know after but we'd end up seeing a challenge from Ottawa and the goal ends up getting waved off. Um, yeah, Yandy Gord ended up high sticking the puck about like five seconds before that puck went in. It was weird because the way he did it, he, uh, you know, he went to like knock a puck down and then on, kind of on his own backswing by hitting it, he ends up like high sticking it on the play and yeah, it ended up not counting, but man, that would have been such a beautiful goal there. That would have been such a sweet break. Like, I mean, he loses his chemistry partner with Blackwell getting traded to Toronto and just immediately picks up the next guy. Uh, who's the next fastest right-handed player we have? Coolman, you're up, buddy. Yeah, no, the chemistry between them is elite, dude. They're just so killer together on the ice. Yeah, and even though that one got waved off, nevertheless, the Kraken would put the game away by adding an empty netter from none other than Jared McCann to seal the 4-2 victory against the Sens and in a dominating fashion, might I say, Belzy. Dude, Durham, it really was dominating. This game was not close at all, man. Uh, you know, this was just not a good effort on the Sens part, but the Kraken were just the superior team in this one and from start to finish, really. Yeah, I mean, I was shooting the Sens 29-14 to 14 and giving up the least amount of shots against in any game the Kraken have played this year is a pretty damn big statement to me. It, it really is. Like, the fact that they held them to 14 shots, uh, how many times has that happened this season in any game across the league? I don't know. I think Seattle got held to, like, 13 in Pittsburgh once this year. Yeah, there was a rough one, but I mean, you, you can count on one hand probably the amount of times a team's been held to that many shots against, uh, you know, as as the minimum uh, across all games this year. So just crazy. And not only that, dude, I mean, they out hit them 24 to 21. They won the special teams battle all night. It was just a very solid win for the Kraken. And, you know, especially when you have a tough opponent in Colorado coming up for their next game and they put together two wins and they were still searching for that third win in a row that they haven't had all season long. 
Yeah, and at home, they're going for it. Going for the homestand, three-peat, baby. And two days later, landing on April 20th, Durham, little 420 special, baby, the green game. Yeah, and it seems fitting that it was against Colorado, considering the first two states to legalize recreational use of weed were Colorado and Washington. Yeah, and I, I was, dude, I was kind of shocked by that because I thought California did, but apparently it was legalized for like medicinal use for the longest time. But I'm pretty sure everybody there just smoked anyways, and no one gave a shit. But yeah, what was it like 2012 when uh, Colorado and I believe Washington was at the same time too, same year where they legalized recreational use. So yeah, it was totally fitting, right? Yeah, I mean, you could not find a better matchup for 420, right? No, not at all. And dude, Seattle not wasting any time getting themselves into this game. Off to an absolutely great start in this one. It would be Cole Lind flying into the zone. And uh, he would take that long board pass right off the backboards there from Will Borgen. And uh, he would go right to the backhand and beat Pavel Fransuz just a minute 12 into this hockey game. What a start for the Kraken, man. Man, that was a sick start. And they weren't done there. Because the Beneers line would stay red hot after Eberly finds a loose puck from a battle in the corner. He sees he has time to make a play, so he takes a couple steps towards the goalie, and he finds a hole over the shoulder and introduces the puck to the back bar of the net. Yep, two nothing cracking on that play, and it was just 5 minutes and 23 seconds into the hockey game. And yes, Matty Beneers obviously picking up an assist on the play, giving him his fourth point in just over nine periods of NHL hockey. What do you think about that? I mean, you talk about a hot start, right? All I can think of is Frank the Tank. We're going streaking! I know, it it fits perfectly with that. But uh, just speaks volume of how friggin' good this player is to step right out of college right at the end of the season, just like that. And he's just making it look easy out there, isn't he? Yeah, he's doing the little things that are showing on the scoreboard, obviously. Like, being in the right spot to support his teammates, attacking the net on the power play like we were talking about when the puck's going there. Little things you don't, you never see him. You never see him caught uh, out of position on the defensive side either. No, he's definitely in the lanes. You saw that in his first game. He was breaking up a few passes through the slot there too. Yeah, and that was against a tough Calgary team too. And... Jumping back into this one, dude, the Kraken still weren't done there in that first period. Yanni Gord would get credit for a goal after McCann uh, threw a shot towards the net and it ended up taking a couple wild bounces there before finding the back of the net. And it was a 3 nothing Kraken lead against this Colorado team. Who the hell seen this coming, man? What an unbelievable stretch of hockey in that first period for this Kraken team against the league's top team. Yeah, I mean, I sure as shit didn't see this coming. But uh, shout out to Jared McCann, by the way, who picked up his 200th NHL point on the play. So Money Man McCann. Money Man McCann, getting it done. And uh, yeah, just before the end of the period, though, uh, the Kraken would come back down to earth a little bit after Colorado did finally break through uh, with a goal of their own from their superstar defenseman, Kale McCarr. You know, he's just on the tail end of a give-and-go play with Nazem Kadri and ends up, uh, you know, taking that puck and picking top corns on Grubauer, that's a tough one to stop, especially against Kale McCarr. Yeah, I mean, those two working a give-and-go out of the corner, you're kind of just going to shrug your shoulders and get ready for the next one there, right? Even though it's a 3-1 game now. 
Exactly. And they'd get a late power play there for Seattle to end off the period. Led to a couple more great opportunities for the Kraken, though. They almost restored that three-goal lead before the the first buzzer went there. And, uh, yeah, basically a perfect period of hockey other than that last goal there. But, um, I mean, to, to get off to a lead like that against the Avalanche, just impressive stuff from the Kraken, man. I'm liking this trend of first period starts. Oh yeah, I am too. Cause it's something that, uh, they were not accustomed to all year. Like we said, last podcast, dude, that, uh, the Kraken gave up the first goal of the game, the most of any NHL team. And then ever since we said that they've shoved it right down our throats again and just started coming out strong in these first periods. So, uh, they like to do that sometimes. Perfect. And then rolling into the second period here, and honestly, it was just filled with some solid play from the Kraken. Yeah, honestly, like that's what I thought too. They did a really good job just to continue to apply the pressure on Colorado, not to let them back into the game at all by just giving up any weak goals like we may have been used to seeing, especially earlier on in the year, right? They'd get out to a lead and it didn't take long for them to give up that lead, but no, no, they were applying pressure. They weren't letting Colorado have any easy opportunities. Yeah, something is clearly something that is clearly not an easy task to do is hold off this Colorado team. But it was something they were managing to do is just that. They even outshot Colorado 12-7 in the second period too and killed the only penalty that they took. Yeah, that was another thing. They only took one penalty in this hockey game, and uh, they were able to kill it off. You know, again, it was uh, Dr. Seuss going to the box there, uh, which is weird, man. He went so many games without getting any penalties, and now he just takes them all. So uh, <laughs> funny funny how hockey does that, right? But uh, it was a bit different in the third period. Uh, we did kind of, you know, obviously that had to be the case. You didn't think Colorado was going to fold over and die. Uh, you knew Colorado would come out with more intensity than they had showed in the first two periods. And they did just that. Yeah. I mean, they really started pepper and Grubauer with shots, but he stood or He was completely dialed in and stood tall against this former squad. Yeah. And what, at least up until three twenty left in uh, the hockey game where, Terry Lekkinen would get one past him off a bit of a rebounder where he snuck one through his five hole. And uh, you could see Grubauer wanted a review on that play. He kind of felt like uh, Val- uh, Valerie Nishushkin, his stick was interfering with his blocker hand kind of as he was, you know, had it up against the ice there. And uh, he thought it was enough to maybe disrupt him from making the stop, but there was no challenge on the play from Coach Hack, so the goal did stand. Yeah, and even though it did stand and Colorado would keep mounting their attack, it wouldn't be enough to get the game tied because the German gentleman would stand tall again and make a couple of ginormous saves in the final seconds of play to win this game and pick up his first win against Colorado since joining Seattle. Yeah, impressive, man. And he was just solid all game. Again, just like the last couple games, like, dude, Grubauer's just been so dialed in and it was so awesome to see him pick up a win against Colorado and they finally did it, man. They got three wins in a row and they ended up getting that third win against at the time was the Colorado avalanche who were in, you know, first place in the league for points. Uh, you know, currently they're not, I think Florida has, has passed them at this time, but I mean, you couldn't have picked a tougher opponent to, to get that third win against. And uh, yeah, almost time to celebrate for the crack and three wins in a row, baby. Yeah. I mean, we're, 
going to go for four. We're definitely, if we start over, we're not going to have another shot at three, I don't think. But still, that's still the way. What'd you think of this game, man? Because we haven't seen uh, more, too many other impressive games that would surpass this on my list this season. No, it's definitely up there. I mean, you took Colorado, you scored three against them quick, and then you were able to hold off their attack the rest of the game. And we're talking about the fucking Colorado Avalanche, right? Like, this isn't some soft attack. They're bringing everything as the game goes on, and they were able to weather the storm here. Yeah, big time. And, uh, you know, I hope some people may have celebrated, you know, maybe rolled a little doobie or a joint and uh, celebrated 420 in uh, in fashion, right? So, um, you know, I may or may not have dabbled. We'll just keep, we'll just leave it at that, Durham. We'll keep the people guessing. I am shocked. <laughs> yeah, I bet you are. Um, but yeah, three wins in a row, man. It was an awesome game. Great effort again. The lines were just rolling. The D were solid, and Grubauer was just a rock in net. Exactly what you need, man. And and all these wins coming near the end of the season, yeah, it might push them out of that uh, the bottom three positioning where we'd like to see them. But you know what? I think there's a lot of good things coming out of these wins, and a lot of good things that you can bring into next season, like we've kind of talked about already. So picking up these big wins. It reminds this team that they could, you know, on any given night, beat any team in the NHL when everybody's on their their A game, right? Exactly. Like, we might have to play a little bit like the Islanders of the last couple years, not the Islanders of this season. But if that's what we got to do going forward the next year or two to be successful, and this is what we're starting to figure out now, I'm all for it. 100%, dude. I am too. And uh, that wasn't the only two games they played. They had a couple more games, a bit of a back-to-backer on a Friday and Saturday night. Um, Hitting the road, starting in Minnesota, who again, like we talked about, what, the hottest team since the trade deadline in the NHL. So again, another very, very tough matchup. And uh, yeah, it was crazy there. Of course, going for their fourth win in a a row. And uh, yeah, after last game's performance, no doubt you're going to keep the German gentleman in net between the pipes for this one, right? Oh, absolutely. I mean, him having that kind of performance, you got to roll with him again for this one. And then you'll have Dreger come in tomorrow night against Dallas there. And of course, we got to bring up too, Matty Beniers looking to keep his point streak alive at four games already. Yeah, four games, looking to bring it to five. And uh, once again, in this first period, man, Kraken get on early or get on the board early in this one. And Daniel Sprong scoring his 13th goal of the year. And uh, the fifth goal for him in a Kraken sweater after a bit of a muffin of a turnover from Flurry behind his own net there. Ends up feeding Donskoy, who finds Spronger all alone with an empty 6 by 4 net to shoot at there. And the Kraken continue their impressive run early in this hockey game. And then once again, Seattle finding a way to extend their lead on an absolute nasty tic-tac-toe play between Kuhlman and Gord there. We were mentioning oh the chemistry before, God. right? Hot shit. Yeah, and I think it was like a tick tackety toe there. I think there was like four or five passes in between. I don't know. My head couldn't count. It was just so quick. And uh, they ended up on that two-on-one, and they dished the puck back and forth, like we said, about four or five times until Flurry and the Wild Defender just completely left in the dark, looking silly. And Yanny Gord finishes off the superb play. And just like that, back off a 2 nothing cracking lead, man. It was a, a another wild start in this one. Yeah, and then, but 
that happens and Wenberg takes a tripping penalty and Minnesota's deadly power play would get a goal back and cut the lead back to one before the end of the first. Yeah, and uh, you know what? Again, that would pretty much wrap up another really fucking solid period for the Kraken. Just some impressive stuff that they're doing out there, man. Uh, and and you just love to see it. Uh, another solid first period, though. And uh, yeah, I was loving it. Yeah, unfortunately, I was not loving the second period because we'd have a bit of a shitty turnover from Beneers there, and that would lead to Minnesota tying the game early in the period when Joel Eriksson-Eck takes the feed from Fiala, who bury his second of the game. I know. Isn't that kid hot right now? Holy shit, he's going to get paid this offseason, that Fiala. Oh, frick. I know. And then, you know, after that too, more penalty troubles once again would cost the Kraken. We'd see Jordan Emberly taking a hooking call there. Minnesota gets their second power play chance, and they score on their opportunity once again, dude. Yeah, but this time it's Kaprizov tipping a shot perfectly over the shoulder of Grubauer to give the Wild their first lead of the game. Yeah, and on that, dude, you definitely can't fault Grubauer on that one. That was just a perfectly placed tip. Just very nasty stuff. And this, dude, Kirill the Thrill, just such a skilled player, man. He's so exciting to watch. And, uh, you know, it, it, this guy makes teams pay night in and night out. Yeah, hitting the century mark. Like, remember Drew Doughty's quote after Kaprizov signed? Overpaid for 45 games in the league. Yeah, oh, no king. He's proving uh, every every penny of that contract is well worth it. But, uh, yeah, the Kraken... Uh, the crack and the wild would keep coming in this game, dude. It would be Ryan Hartman extending that lead after entering the Kraken zone and just putting a wrister on net and ends up beating Grubauer pretty cleanly. Um, that's when then you that you kind of can blame on him, in my opinion. That was a weak one there, definitely a bit soft, just ends up finding a hole right through him. One of those ones where y- you don't want to be given up, right? Takes the the um, t- you know, takes that momentum out, you know, kind of kills the mood for the team. Yeah, and after noticing that and giving up three goals in the first 10 minutes of this period, Will Borgen decides he's seen enough of this shit and decides to get the boys fired up by dropping the mitts with Brandon Duhame. And holy shit, what a bout that was. Yeah, very spirited bout there. And uh, that's the first fight I think we've seen in about six or seven games. Maybe maybe I'm way off, but it just felt like we hadn't seen a fight from this team in quite a while. So stick taps to Borgie, of course, for trying to put a spark in this team to try to come back in this hockey game. Yeah, unfortunately, instead of gaining momentum, though, Vince Dunn's going to take a penalty fucking right away. And the Wild, yet again, convert. Yeah, that's right. Three for three in this game off a one-timer from Zuccarello squeaking through Grubauer's legs. Yeah, and that one really took the wind out of the Kraken sales, man, because, uh, you know, they'd they'd continue giving up goals in this hockey game, and uh, they'd give up their fifth goal of the period to Nicholas Delorier, a grinder who ends up banging home his own rebounder to pass Grubauer. So it just ended up being such a brutal period for Seattle, and... You know what? Credit to the Wild. They really showed why they're the hottest team since the trade deadline in that 20 minutes there. That was pretty dominating against the Kraken. Yeah, that was a tale of two games there, the first and the second period. Holy Christ. Oh, yeah, no doubt. Seattle would finally get a couple power plays of their own to start the third period, but 
unlike Minnesota, they aren't able to convert on the first one. However, though, on that second power play, Matty Beneers once again continues to produce for this hockey team, sniping a goal on the power play for his third goal already for Seattle while extending his point streak now to five games. That's two power play goals already. Man, this kid is a stud. Yeah, that would be it for goals in this game, though, as the score would stay 6-3 Minnesota by the time the final final buzzer went. Yeah, ended up being a 6-3. Yeah, you know, it was great to see Matty Beneers extend that five-game point streak, though. That's a, a little victory we can take out of this one. And uh, even in the final minutes of this game, uh, Grubauer is making huge saves. It could have been 7-8-3 pretty easily there, but uh, not like it really changed anything. But you do like to see the boys battle all the way to the end of the game. So kudos to Gruby for doing that on that because uh, he had to face some pretty tough shots uh, in those final few minutes of this hockey game. Yeah, and especially after the onslaught you face in the second period, to stick with it and go all the way through for the final 60, that's what you like to see. That's good leadership material and building blocks for next year. Oh, big time. So, you know, the Wild are going to take it, and uh, they weren't able to get that four-game winning streak, but uh, they had a chance to start another one the very next night, playing a Dallas team who, uh, of course, fighting for a chance to get themselves into the playoffs this year. Yeah, and for this one, I mean, obviously with Grubauer starting yesterday, we're going to have Drieger in tonight. And then a little bit, a couple lineup changes. You're going to get Geeky in for Sprong and Pouliot in for Kale Fleury. Yeah, uh, interesting to get Geeky in there after uh, scoring a goal last game. Uh, or, sorry, Sprong in there. Or, yeah. <laughs> Weird to see Sprong getting pulled. I don't mind Geeky going in, but Sprong getting pulled after scoring a goal. What do you think about that? Yeah, it's kind of weird. I mean, sure, offense is great, but I think we're starting to see the things with Sprong that we were talking about before, right? Like, that's all he's going to do is just skate with the puck as fast as he can and try and score the easy goal. The rush play. Yeah, no doubt. And uh, just one that you question again, uh, the guy scores a goal, you think you reward him with playing the next night, but... Uh, we're not Coach Hack here, so we don't make those decisions. Um, but Dallas, they would start off uh, in this game pretty quickly. You know, two minutes in with a bit of a double rebounder play that uh, Pavelski ends up popping into an empty cage. And why empty, you ask? Well, Rupe Hintz runs a little goal interference. And thanks to that, it's a no goal. And we were still at 0-0 in this game. Yeah, Dallas definitely came out flying there because Sagan's going to have another rebound chance in tight, which Drieger's going to deny it. The puck goes up ice. Wenberg's working the wall and then draws a trip. So the Kraken are going to go to the power play. Yeah, and uh, it ends up being a pretty uh, aggressive kill by the Stars there. And uh, one misread by Seattle kills the, the two minutes without really any chances for Seattle there. But then with like a second left on the power play there, Giku, who just comes into this game, right? He's going to win the draw back. Alexiak's going to fire it over to Larson for a one-time bomb on net. We got bodies going to the house, and Riley Shahan's going to find the loose puck and slam it home. one nothing Seattle. Yeah, and again, dude, this team scoring first in the hockey game, getting off to a 
to a great start in the game. Uh, yeah, they just keep doing this. So it's exciting. And, uh, a little scare off the face-off there as uh, Ben and Gord would get tied up and Ben would uh, he'd get clipped in the face by Gord's skate as he fell back there. And uh, he ended up being fine, but holy shit, dude, that was close to uh, Ben ended up uh, getting turned into a Jason there. I know, right? Anytime you see someone, especially being one of the last guys in the league with no visor, right? And the skate comes up, it everyone flinches and you're butthole clenches no it's just a fucking weird feeling inside. dude it, it, it's gonna be weird when uh there's not any more players left without a uh without a visor eh when the rest have been faded out because it's only gonna be a few years from now yeah like getzlav has gone ben doesn't have a whole lot of time left i'm assuming i don't think chara wears one and he's got what and games he's left gone. yeah he's gone he already said he's retiring um Simmons, he doesn't wear one. He might play next year. There's not a whole lot of guys out there uh, who don't wear it. So it's going to be weird to see that now. And just, yeah, just so everyone's aware, um, the, how many years ago was it, Durham, when they when they put that rule in? I oh, it would probably remember. be like 10 or so. I think I was either in high school or just getting out of it, maybe. Yeah, but anyways... They made a rule where any new players coming into the NHL have to wear a visor and you can't choose between a visor and non-visor. Um, so uh, one day we'll see everybody who uh, ends up having to wear a visor. So different different days, right? Yeah, and then uh, going back to the game here, just uh, talking about Drieger here. Holy shit, did you see that save with about five minutes left in the first to keep the boys up? Oh, that split's coming across. Oh, God. Dude, that was insane. That was a huge save from Drieger there. And, uh, you know, keeping his team up by a goal there. And, yeah, just phenomenal stuff from Drieger, no doubt about it. And, uh, you know, after some more chances off of uh, lugging the puck from Dallas there, you're refusing to say anyone is rushing this game. Gord finds himself below the goal line in the attacking zone, cycles it up to Lynn on the half wall, who found Pouliot at the point for a quick shot on net and tipped it home by Yanni Gord for his 100th career goal. What a goal and what a moment for Yanni Gord, a player who has gone undrafted and just um, just continues to impress, man. Yeah, I think that goal put him like sixth or seventh among active players who went undrafted. Obviously, Panarin's yeah. first, like 167, but still, he's not that far behind first. He's not for a guy who's been undrafted and just worked his way up through uh, uh, the ECHL and then the AHL, of course, and through Tampa's system. And, and you know, he's already got two Stanley Cup rings. So I think he's doing pretty good for himself. You know, assistant captain now for Seattle and going to be a big part of this team going forward for a, a number of years for sure. Yeah, some people would call that a pretty good career. Yeah, I'd say not bad. I mean, the guy's what? How old is he now? He's mid to late 20s at most. He's uh, he's a couple years away from 30, I'm pretty sure. So, um, But yeah, net front was definitely the key there for uh, for that tip-in shot. Yeah, that was been the key all game, I think, or at least in the first period there. You saw Dallas creating a lot there, and that's where Seattle was getting theirs, right? Like Shahan going to the front of the net and finding the loose one to bang it in. Gore going to the front, getting the tip there. And then obviously we talked about it with Veneers on the power play. Get to the fucking front of the net. At the end of the yeah. first there, though, uh, shots, 12-9 bad guys. Face-offs, 17-4 bad guys. 
but the score is two nothing good guys yeah no it was uh you know dallas had their fair chair fair share of chances but uh it was the crack and who had that two nothing lead going into the second period and uh Great start, too. Leads to multiple chances by that Beneers line once again. But uh, Jake Ottinger kind of started to shut the door down here, uh, you know, for the rest of the game with some pretty nice saves. Yeah, and that might have been the TSN turning point there because Robertson's going to pick up a stretch pass here. Dallas is going to attack three on two. Robertson to Pavelski, back to Robertson, who wires it to the back of the net. I mean, kind of a tough look there on Seattle, right? Yeah, they, you know, they have numbers back checking, back checking, but uh, they're kind of just going nowhere at the same time, right? They don't end up picking up guys and uh, the D get caught up and, uh, you know, it's like a who takes who situation when the puck gets, you know, crosses over the side there and done ends up leaving Robertson all alone. And, uh, you know, who had the puck a split second ago, you know? <laughs> yeah, Robertson there makes the pass over to Pavelski and it's a one touch back so it's kind of like done what are you doing leaving the guy like it was a split second play just stick with them trust your D's got the guy going to the net front and your forwards are going to take the far guy just take your man that's all you need there that could have been one that could have been yeah easily defended by just taking your man just going man on man there but uh you know Dallas ended up finding their legs after they scored that goal and uh they ended up draw a, a Pouliot penalty there on the very next shift, and Hints would get this great chance right away, uh, which Drigger ends up denying, and then he gets the chance uh, to put that puck back and dances Larson and walks right in, snipes a goal five-hole on Driggs there. Yeah, that's kind of tough to give the same guy two clean looks like that about six or seven seconds apart. Like he gets the first one where he comes in, and I'm not 100% sure if Drieger saved it or if he lost the puck there. But as he's curling around, he's giving the ref shit. And then he curls up, comes out, picks up the puck, comes back in, just walks Larson, and then just five-hole picked him on Drieger there. And it's like, fuck, what a shift. Yeah, and it was starting to feel like deja vu. But uh, quickly, though, what was Drieger doing on that goal? He looked like he almost opened his legs more. Oh man, it's like score that he had a great. Maybe he game. thought he I'm had the five hole trap going and just forgot. Yeah, not... Fuck, <laughs> yeah. I don't know. It was one of those ones where it was like, uh, what were you doing there? You didn't even try to stop that. But uh, anyways, yeah, it felt like deja vu because uh, you know Dunn ends up making this great play, stopping the rush off Garyanov. Donato picks the puck up, wheels it behind the net, then tries to reverse it to his backside where Garyanov ends up just intercepting that puck and he passes it right out to uh, Nemesnikov and he just has the easiest goal of his life. Ends up making the game 3-2 for Dallas there. Yeah, talking about brain farts, we're just going to one-up ourselves from the last goal to this goal. I mean, Donato, buddy. You come in, you played it perfectly. Like, this was perfectly executed. Dunn takes the guy, sure, he gets manhandled, but it's a big Russian and Dunn's not that big. So whatever. Takes the guy, separates man from puck, gets pushed over. Donato comes in, picks up the puck. And then the guy that he just watched engage in the battle with Dunn follows him. And then he goes, yeah, here you go, kid. And just leaves it for him. Like, dude, come on. Yeah, just throw that sucker out of uh out of the uh the defensive zone there. There's no reason to try to make that reverse play, uh, especially with all the bodies on him. And uh, yeah, uh, obviously he kind of fanned on that back end to to reverse it, but uh, you know ends up being just an ugly 
ugly turnover and it always looks worse when it leads right to a goal dude but uh you know we did see Haxall call a timeout after that third goal and of course right after you give up kind of two weak goals that shouldn't be going in like that and it seemed to have worked out because uh they hadn't allowed any other chance uh to let another goal in in the in the next 10 minutes of play yeah, it definitely looked like it worked there because they definitely got their shit together in the final 10 minutes of the second period there. We're just hoping it's not too little too late, right? Yep. And uh, yeah, they, they escaped that onslaught because of that timeout, only being down by one goal. Going into that third period, shots were 14 to 9 Dallas and faceoffs were 16 10 Dallas after that second period. Hitting the third here, another strong start to a period, you know, keeping the puck down in Dallas's end for most of the first three, three and a half minutes there. And then the one time we go down to our end, we ended up taking a penalty. Oops. Yeah. Oops. Yeah. Great killing from the boys. Uh, giving Dallas nothing on that one, which is pretty much what we would see until Kivi Ranta and Nemeskov had a quick little chance against Drieger, Drieger there, but he ended up standing tall through it all. And uh, Seattle just thrives off that 60s energy and mounts a furious shift where Rask almost popped in a rebound goal. And Cole Lynn decided to pop Suter a couple times as they both head off to the box for coincidental roughing. Yeah, I thought we were going to have a back-to-back game there with fights. You know, they seemed to give each other a few shots, but nothing really came off. They just ended up both going to the box. Yeah, ends up turning into a four-on-four. Doesn't uh, see much from both teams. Kind of really grinding out the defensive style there, which fits into that uh, Stars hockey sometimes too. When when they don't have that first line out there, they kind of have to shut things down because they have no secondary scoring on that team. And uh, yeah, that Beneers line though, with another great offensive shift, running the cycle, getting a couple good looks, but they just couldn't finish, man. Yeah, looking to extend Beneers' point streak, they had lots of great looks. And I mean, Seattle was just dominant the last five minutes of the game with many great looks. First to lose pucks, plenty of second and third chances, but they just weren't doing that earlier in the game. And ultimately, it's not enough as Talos will just hold on to this one. Yeah, 3-2 final there. Uh, shots ended up uh, 32-31 for Seattle. They had a big pushback there in that third period, which was great to see. Dallas, you know, winning all those faceoffs, that's going to help. Uh, they out faced off them 40 23 in the game. And, uh, you know, Drieger playing great, but uh, the box score wouldn't tell you that because he faced a lot of high danger chances in this hockey game and uh, kept the Kraken in it pretty early in that first period. A lot of timely saves and uh, natural stat trick, too. That's a great site for some stats. Had him at, uh, what's that? What did you have him at there, Durham? They had about seven high danger saves in the first period alone, which is just huge. Yeah, that's pretty crazy um, because you average maybe 14, 15 per game on the high side. So um, to have seven just after one period speaks to how great Trigger actually did play. It was just a couple weird fluky goals, but they were in this hockey game the whole time and, uh, they're facing a Dallas team that was desperate for a win too. So uh, they came really close to pulling out three wins uh, for this whole entire week uh, out of the four games. And we have just seen a lot of great hockey from the Kraken. And it was really just a couple second periods that, that ended up making the difference uh, for them, you know, pulling out uh, a, a couple more wins in this week of hockey. 
Yeah, I mean, this team's got to where they're starting with that great first period, right? That's five, six, seven games in a row almost where they've had a pretty good first 20. Now, if we can keep that rolling into the second period, this team's going to start to find a lot of success. Yeah, big time. And the fact that they've they've made adjustments throughout this year that have made them into a, a better hockey team. It, it's exciting, man. And uh, it's, it's, it's wild, actually. It's day and night compared to what we were seeing at the start of the season. They were so bad defensively, and they just could not get out to a good start at all. But those things have changed, and it's going to lead them to success going into their final week of the season and then into next season. But, uh, you know, they, they've had a pretty rough time against uh, Vancouver, who ends up being their next opponent here, starting off their next week, which is the last week of hockey for Seattle's first season in the NHL, man. They're going to be in Vancouver Tuesday night. That's tomorrow night. And uh, Vancouver, pretty good team right now, 6-2-2 two and two in their last 10 games. And they've won all three matchups against Seattle this season, man. How? Why are they having so much success against Seattle? Well, they're scoring a hell of a lot more goals than we are. 5-2, 5-2, and 4-2. We're being outscored 14-6 to in those three games. I mean, you got to find a way to lock it down. Yeah, 100%. And uh, this could end up being a pretty big game, right? I know the chances are completely slim for Vancouver to actually get into the playoffs. But it would be pretty nice to get that uh, win against Vancouver finally this year, you know, because, you know, this is kind of the team that they're going to be the biggest rivals with or they, they should be going forward, right? Uh, it would be exciting to see these two teams play in the playoffs, of course, at some point, being so close to each other, just across the border from each other as well. And uh, yeah, Vancouver doesn't have much of a shot to make playoffs, but if Seattle can beat them, tomorrow night, then that would solidify them not making playoffs this year. And that would be a nice little victory for Seattle. Yeah. Our first win would be the, against them would be the nail in the coffin of their season. I like the yeah, sounds of that. I do too. And uh, what are we going to have to do to get that first win against Vancouver? Because we haven't been successful with it. Well, you're going to have to lock down Quinn Hughes for one. He's been a huge player for them this year, putting up a lot of points from the back end and just silky smooth. Like, did you see that goal he scored against Calgary the other night? Just all the time in the world and then just shelves it from in tight. Yeah, for a guy who, who got off to a bit of a slower start this year too, he's really ramped it up. And then, you know, they have a couple other guys on this team who have been absolutely ramping it up too in this final push for their season. And one of those is Elias Pettersson, a guy who got off to a very, very slow start, but he is racking up points as of late. He's going to be the huge threat to up front to shut down him and uh, JT Miller, who of course is uh, has a chance to break a hundred points, which is pretty crazy too. Yeah. I mean, who would have guessed that when he got traded over to Vancouver, remember all the fans going fucking crazy they're like oh my god you traded a first round pick for jt miller yeah what else was in that package they had a, like a prospect in there a couple pieces right uh yeah there was other stuff included but i don't remember exactly what it was One i sec, can't I'll look it up yeah i can't think of it right now but i mean keep playing the same type of hockey that they have been try to get off to that fast start again you know, Vancouver is obviously going to be pushing hard. They're at home in this matchup. So they're going to be playing Demko for sure. 
So it could be one of those situations where you just got to outdo them, outdo them in net. And uh, uh, I would obviously be going with Grubauer. Both goalies have been great. We just pumped Rieger's tires, but you got to play your best goalie, and their best goalie is Grubauer. So uh, we'll see, man. It should be an exciting matchup, and uh, maybe it'll have a bit of a playoff atmosphere. You know, the importance of the game is really high, so uh, you know maybe it'll spark a bit of that rivalry going into next season as well. Because uh, we did see a bit of that early on, and it was, of course, the team that Seattle played their very first home game against was Vancouver, and it didn't turn out too well. Ended up being a 5-2 loss, so it would be great to get a bit of revenge and see them finish off uh, the season with a victory against the Vancouver Canucks. Yeah, that would be great to see. Uh, that JT Miller trade, by the way, Merrick Matt Mazanek, Mazanek, Mazanek? Not a sure. third round pick and is. a first round pick. That's all it was. A first, a third, and a prospect. Okay, so absolutely, you know, stellar deal from uh, Vancouver there. Picking up JT Miller with what he's done with that hockey team. So that's a win for the Canucks and uh, one of the few wins that Benning has made as a GM for that hockey team. So um, getting back into next week's matchup. So uh, the very next night, they're going to be playing the LA Kings. And uh, they're a team, again, going to be in the playoffs. Looks like they're probably playing uh, Edmonton in that first round, which is going to be super tough for them. 6-4-0 in their last 10 games. And uh, the last three matchups have been uh, a 6-1 victory recently against them, which was a huge win. And then the other two matchups were a 4-2 loss and a 3-1 loss. So right now they hold a 1-2 record against LA this season. Uh, What do you expect out of this one? I'm expecting a hard fought game from LA. Like they're geared up for playoffs, right? Like they're not a hundred percent locked in yet, but like you said, it's 99.9. They're going to be playing Edmonton in the first round. So they're getting geared up and ready to go for that. We're going to have a hard fought physical matchup at that game. I think. Yeah. Cause LA, they'd have to lose out and uh, um, Vegas would have to win out. And then that's that's basically the only chance of them slipping out of a playoff opportunity. So again, another team who obviously wants to solidify. I mean, they they have a chance to pass Edmonton right now, currently, right? So they're they're fighting for home ice as well. Obviously, they're going to be down bodies. Drew Doughty, like we talked about last podcast, he's done for the remainder of the year. So that's a big hit on this team, especially defensively. Um, but they still have a lot of great uh, defensive forwards as well. They could rely on, obviously, Philip Deneau. And we've kind of seen that in some of the matchups earlier this season against the LA Kings. Other than that last one where we blew them out 6-1, those other two games, they were pretty defensive. And uh, the type of style that we talked about earlier that you're going to end up facing against LA. Um, They like to shut it down. They like to create off the rush, especially with that top line. They bring a lot of speed with Hayafalo and uh, Adrian Kempe there in between Kopitar. And then they got some really nice depth pieces up front. So, uh, you know, give me your thoughts on the matchup. No, I think you nailed it there. Like, it's just something we're going to have to be ready for. I think this is going to be a tough game and kind of a stepping stone as to what hey, Seattle, this is what we've got to be in the next couple of years, right? Like LA did the whole rebuild thing and they took a step forward last year and now they've pushed themselves to being a playoff team. And Yeah, I'm yeah no, that's what it's I, be. I, I it's like, like a that. stepping stone. Who do you think the um, 
the the Beneers line would uh, line up against because Seattle, obviously being at home, they have uh, last change, so they can create those matchups. Do you see one of these LA lines being a uh, uh, a possibility as a you know go up against this line for Matty Beneers? A good test for him. Whichever out of Deneau and Kopitar that Gord's line is not playing against. Yeah, you got to think the way Yanni Gord's line plays defensively and in your face, they're going to be up against that Kopitar line trying to shut down that top line. So maybe they go, uh, you know, Beneers line right up uh, on that against that second line of Philip Deneau, uh, Trevor Moore, and Victor Arvidsson right now. So that could be a, that could be a fun matchup to see. Uh, happen and develop into this hockey game so that, that'll be something to definitely keep our eyes on uh for this matchup because i don't think Beneers has had to face that like super defensive centerman on you yet right and like even nathan mckinnon has said phil denos the player he hates playing against the most so give Beneers a taste like hey kid this is what a playoff round is going to be like for you you better start trying to figure it out yeah, no, I like that a lot because uh, it's it's uh, a defensive center stud against a defensive center stud, and they both obviously have uh, the offense. Obviously, Beneers is more skilled. I mean, I don't think there's any question about that, but Deneau's done pretty good this year putting up some offensive numbers considering the last couple seasons he had with Montreal. He's He hasn't really put up that kind of offense, but uh, you know he's had a good bounce back year with LA, so... That would be my prediction is that those two centers going off against each other and we'll get to see the duel and uh, hopefully see which line outplays the other line. And obviously we're going for Matty Beneers to hopefully, you know, start his own point streak the night before against, uh, oh fuck, who do they play here? Vancouver. Yep, against Vancouver and then LA the very next night. So uh, it's going to be some fun hockey to watch. And uh, this was their, this will be their second last home game. Uh, they'll play their last home game of the season, though, against the team that they've had tons of success against this year. Yeah, they're 3-0 and against San Jose, and they're looking to go 4-0 and here. And if they do, they're going to join Montreal, Florida, and Buffalo as the teams that Seattle this season went undefeated against. Yeah, crazy, eh? The fact that Florida's in there is pretty wild. Right? And that and three teams in the Atlantic. How funny is that? Oh, yeah, I know. <laughs> kind of funny, actually. But, uh, yeah, give me your thoughts on the uh, the matchup against San Jose. And uh, why do you think we've had so much success against the San Jose Sharks team this year? Well, I think we kind of lock it down, right? Like, they're not, kind of a team in between styles, I think San Jose is. They're not really a super offensive blow the barn doors off team but they're not really suited for your defensive shutdown whereas we kind of are so we're able to shut their offensive down more because I don't think they're very deep there we can kind of take their top one or two lines on and then after that it's a roll of the dice and I like our dice better I do too and uh, it's not too often you've beat a team three times and you haven't scored more than three goals in a game against those matchups or in those matchups. That's pretty wild too. They ended up beating them three, one, then three, two, and then again, three, one. And I believe Drieger has been in net for two of those. So we'll see who ends up playing that last home game of the season. Uh, it could be a toss up with, uh, you know, who plays the better game. Um, but you know, we do have some news actually that came out today that could change that. Um, 
We got a goalie who gets called up from the AHL, Durham. A goalie gets called up? Joey Decord today got called up. Um, so Drieger could actually be dealing with a bit of an injury. I, I haven't seen yet. You know, I've been working all day and then I came home and, uh, you know, hopped right on the podcast here. But uh, Joey, Decord, Joey Decord got called up uh, this afternoon along with Dennis Chalowski. So it wouldn't shock me to see Decord get one of those matchups this week and possibly two. So we'll end up seeing who gets an opportunity to play, but I would be pretty hyped to see Joy Decord get inside the crease there and be able to play because he's deserved it, man. Yeah, I think for sure you could give him one of your first two games there, Vancouver or LA. Maybe give him the LA one. You know, it's the second game of the back-to-back, the backup goalie. Plus, you can kind of swing it to him like it's the home game, kid. Like, you're getting a home game. He's played fantastic for Charlotte down in the AHL. So this is definitely, you got to reward him getting at least one game in. And I think that's why you should lean towards a home game there, even though it is the second of a back-to-back. No, I I like that. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Uh, You know, it'll be a good matchup for him against LA, right? It's tough with the games he's played earlier in the season. That was when the Kraken's defensive game was at their weakest and their lowest point. And they gave up so many two-on-ones every time this guy was in net. But they've they've locked things down on the defensive end now. So um, I don't expect Joy Decord to be in net for any kind of blowout because he is a very solid goalie. He just needed that play in front of him to be better uh, to keep those numbers down. So excited to see Joey Dak getting in between the crease. We'll see if it happens for sure. I would think that they reward him with his play being so great down in the AHL. You got to get him in between the pipes, right? Yeah, I mean, especially if Drieger is hurt and you're going to just rest him, give him the rest of the year off. He's earned it. He's played well the last little bit. And this Joey mm-hmm. Dak kid's fucking earned getting more games now. He has. He really has. And it could be a good confidence booster for uh, Charlotte's run in the playoffs, too, if he's able to pull off another win in the NHL. He's just got a, a couple of those right now. So, um, but yeah expecting uh, another win against San Jose and hopefully we can sweep them. And uh, we do want to thank him though, for uh, last night's performance against Vegas, pulling off a big shootout win. So that was very nice of you guys, San Jose. We appreciate that, you know, trying to knock off Vegas and um, we're going to have to win that fourth game against you though, because this team uh, has only got three wins in their last 14 games now. So uh, they've definitely been falling apart as of, as of recently. Yeah, this is one you've got to have. Yep. And then the very last game of the NHL season will be played on the Sunday Durham. And it's that game that got canceled because of that snowstorm in Winnipeg. So the only game on Sunday, no games on Saturday either. So there might be a quite a bit of eyes on this game for NHL fans tuning in. And uh, that's a game against the Winnipeg Jets in Winnipeg. And uh, give me your thoughts on this one, man. Well, I mean, we're 0-2 against Winnipeg this year, right? Lost 5-3 and 3 nothing, so we're not exactly scoring against the Jets, unlike everybody else in the league. But <laughs> the Jets are 3-6-1 and in their last 10, so this might be our time. Pounce on them after we get the confidence from slugging San Jose Friday night. We'll go up to Winnipeg, Winterpeg, and then we'll take our final win of the season. Yeah, I like it, and... uh just one of those games, man. Put everything out there. It's the final game. Go have fun, right? Go out there and enjoy the last game of the season because, uh, you know, after that, you're done for the rest of the year. And, uh, you know, you get a bit of time off to rest. 
uh, you know, go on vacations, do what you want to do. Because in a couple months, a lot of these guys are going to be hitting the ice again and, and training, you know, for the next season going ahead. And it's the last time you get to make a, an impression on the ice, you know, in front of Ronnie Francis there and the rest of the staff and the management team. So it's one of those ones where you just got to play loose and uh, play a hard, honest game and, uh, you know, try to pull off that victory. Uh, and, and this is a great opportunity to try to get that first win against Winnipeg. Like you said, they haven't done that yet this year. And, uh, when, you know, Winnipeg hasn't been a great team. And uh, I know myself thought they were going to be for sure a playoff team this year. And, uh, yeah, they were nothing but a disappointment this season. And even when they made that that coaching change, like you called earlier, you said it would be the next one to happen, and it was. Uh, they just never turned things around uh, in that organization. So, um, just looking forward to ending it on a good note, but you know, no matter what happens, it's going to be a fun game to watch, man. Yeah. I definitely thought Winnipeg was going to be better this year. I mean, that was my hot take pick for the season was them to win the central. Oops. Oops. That didn't happen. Did it? Nope. That hurt. That hurt. (laughs) Hockey fans. Feel the action on the ice like never before with DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of the NHL. Right now, new customers can bet just $1 on any team to win and get $150 in free bets if they do. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, you can still hit the ice for cold hard cash. New customers can make their very first deposit and play free for thousands of dollars with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Hockey Contests. Draft your lineup of eight skaters and a goalie and rack up points for goals, assists, saves, and more. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. Best of all, you can deposit with and withdraw your cash whenever you want. So, Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN. Bet just $1 on any NHL team and get $150 in free bets if they do. That's code THPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of the NHL. All right, welcome back to episode 31, Kraken fans and Durham we're going to do a little thing here, uh, do a little Stanley Cup playoffs edition of uh, pretenders versus contenders. So who we think are the actual contenders in the Stanley Cup and uh, the who are the pretenders? So we're going to start things off with talking about the Eastern Conference here. And uh, I'm going to throw it over to you and give me your take on who the contenders are and the pretenders. And starting with the East, I'm going to sound like such an idiot because one through eight, honest to God, you're just as likely to lose a round as you are to win two. That's why I threw this one to you. So I would sound like the idiot? No, because I I didn't want to pick. (laughs) (laughs) Fuck that. All these teams have 100 points or more, right? Except for Which, by the way, first time ever that every playoff team in a conference has had 100 points. Yeah, I know. This this uh, conference is just wild right now, man. Yeah, I mean, my my sleeper to, like, win... I Can you even fucking call him a sleeper with 108 points? I'm picking the Rangers to win the or East. Wow. All right. I a little like part that. of me died inside when I said that, but I'm picking right. the Rangers. 
So yeah, obviously as a Pittsburgh fan. Okay, so they're your contenders, eh? They're my top contender. Them, I mean, you can't not say Florida, right? You can't I, say they, 13 games in a row that they've won. I mean, it's pretty obvious they're at the top of that contenders list. You can't not say Tampa until they lose. I mean, they do look a little tired this year, which was as a Pittsburgh fan who watched the repeat and then go for three in 2018, it's the exact, they look the exact same. Like they're just getting a little tired, but they have had two very big victories back to back where they put up eight pieces against teams. So Toronto, their offense Florida, is kind of waking it? up. Uh, yeah. Yep. So they're two biggest contenders in the Atlantic. Wait, not Florida. I thought. No, because no, the hell they just played winning streak. They just played. Uh, I'll pull it up here, but you keep going because I got to find out who the pretenders are in this Eastern Division for you. But yeah, the, the pretenders, I guess we're gonna go with Washington and Boston, Pittsburgh. If Jerry's not in, is a pretender. Don't get me wrong, I'd like to Smith, but if we don't have the starting goalie and a guy who's on a fuck you to everybody in the league from last year's playoffs revenge tour, this team isn't going to win around. Washington's screwed no matter who they play, I think. Boston, they're a good team, but I don't like their goaltending. Carolina with Anderson being hurt worries me, and I got to agree with, uh, I think it was was it Whitney or Biz? I was listening to Chicklets the other day, but they were talking about like they don't have that take over the game star guy that can just win you something, right? Like they're very good throughout the team depth wise, but there's not someone yeah. that's a take over a game guy. Yeah, if I had to pick someone, it'd be Aho, right? Yeah. We're talking about Carolina, but yeah, I'm sorry. I screwed up. Uh, it was the Panthers that they beat. I swear I refreshed this NHL page um, and it still shows them on a 13 game winning streak. So uh, that's a dash one on my part, but also on the NHL because I, I know I refreshed this. So it was Tampa or ah, it was Florida that they beat a four. Um, okay. Here's one though. Toronto contenders or pretenders. I do think they're contenders, but same, I'd put them in the same boat as Boston, to be honest. Like, I think they're a good team, but their goaltending can, can carries Can their me. goaltending, yeah, can their goaltending carry them through? And, uh, yeah, that's what worries me against Boston. And they haven't been the strongest team either, Boston. They're just 5-5 five and five in their last 10 games, too. So, uh, not exactly an exciting record to be going into the playoffs with. No, definitely not. I mean, anyone looking down at someone 5-5, five and five, they got to be licking their chops, even though they have 103 points. Who would that yeah. be? Carolina and, play them uh, right now? <laughs> I believe so. And uh, yeah, man, Pittsburgh looking like a pretender too right now. Four or five and one in their last 10. Things aren't exactly going their way. Yeah, they didn't have Malkin or Jerry for a few of those games. I'm taking that cop out. <laughs> yeah, no, it is they, nice. just, they do bad. have Malkin back. But again, like you said, uh, some of these teams are going to have just uh, just you know, brutal first rounds to try to get out of. And uh, it almost makes you think with all these tough matchups in the East, can the team that comes out of it at the end, are they going to have enough gas? Yeah. Cause it's going to be very, very tough to be that team that makes it out of the Eastern conference this season. I remember everybody saying that when St. Louis won it though, 
It was all, you just got to get there from the east, and then the west is going to beat everybody else up, and they're going to be too tired, and you're going to be fine. And then St. Louis said, fuck off. We're singing Gloria. <laughs> that was a hell of a run that year. And uh, I remember somehow I had them in Boston in the final on my pro- playoff bracket. So uh, we did a little competition at work. And, <laughs> and I had one-off points after the first round. <laughs> it was so funny. But uh, yeah, just because everybody had Tampa, right? That yeah, was, I mean, uh, everyone was going to ride Tampa. Everybody had Tampa and uh, I remember I had, I had Boston beating Tampa in the first round or the second round there. So I ended up just winning off points after the first round technically, but uh, you know, just a little tire pump to myself there, but um, yeah, let's, let's, uh, let's swing things over to the Western conference now and talk about the West side. Well, the West, obviously you've got Colorado, right? They're the contender. Everyone else is a tier below. And speaking of tiers, the next team I have up is whoever the hell wins out of Minnesota and St. Louis. Unfortunately, whoever wins out of that has to play Colorado, so they're probably screwed. But still, those are the two best teams in the league since the trade deadline, by the way. Minnesota and St. Louis. Yeah, I know. Pretty crazy, actually. I mean, look at their like goal differential on those teams. Like Minnesota's plus 54 this year, goal differential. St. Louis plus 71 goal differential like that is some pretty wild stuff um out of those two teams who do you think's gonna win that series because they're they're uh pretty much locked in to play each other at this point oh i don't know honestly it's like a coin flip ask me today and i'll give you a different answer tomorrow honestly it's uh that's a tough one i think minnesota might have an edge in net and i think that's the reason why i'd pick them uh, over St. Louis this year, even though St. Louis has like, like one of the best offenses in the game and just, they're just so deep. Um, you know, if they can shut down that top line in Minnesota, that might be the difference. But right now I give the edge to Minnesota just because of their goaltending. Yeah, I got to agree with you there. They do have the better goaltending, but St. Louis has the bra- pretty much the roster of guys who have done it. They have, but what happens now when when Billy Huso gets blown out? Who are you going to put in net in the next game? Now, if that happens with Minnesota, they got something to work with with two goaltenders who are absolutely on fire right now. Of course, uh, Mark Andre Fleury, who uh, you know has a couple cups under his belt, and then Max Talbot too, or Max Talbot, Cam Talbot in net, <laughs> Maxim Talbot coming out of retirement for the Pittsburgh Penguins playing net. Uh, he wants to win more cups. <laughs> yeah. So obviously those three teams you got to have as contenders all have a chance to go far. And then a couple more teams out of the Pacific there as well that you have to put in there. And, and uh, the, the dark horse, the team that I have is Calgary. I think with the, how deep this lineup is and the goaltending they're getting out of Markstrom, they could be the team that goes all the way and and pulls off some upsets. I mean, uh, between them and St. Louis, those are the two hottest teams in their last 10 games in the Western Conference right now. You know, 8-1-1 one, and one in their last 10. So th- that's a team that is definitely a contender here. Yeah, I mean, it's funny. For my pretenders, I was going to say everybody else except for Calgary. Yeah. 
yeah, I mean, that that's pretty much how it is. I mean, it would be scary if Vegas sneaks in there, but uh, with the news today of Robin Leonard going for surgery, fuck, that, that was crazy, eh? Reports on him going for surgery and then saying he's in practice the next day and just back and forth between that. That was just that was just wacko. Some more wacko shit like that coming from Vegas. Don't know why they like to play those mind games, but it is I Vegas, I guess. I saw a report about that today was that Flurry told – or not Flurry, whoops. <laughs> Leonard told Vegas that he was going to get the surgery yesterday, and then they asked him – to wait off a day before announcing anything and back up for the game because of salary cap implications. So that's why he was on the bench for last night and getting surgery today. Wild. That's, that's wild. But yeah, at this point, uh, yeah, Dallas four, four and two in their last 10 Nashville hasn't been that great. Five, four and one in their last 10. They're looking like pretenders for sure. I, I can't imagine unless Soros, plays out of his mind i can't imagine nashville um sneaking through just because of the you know the the teams they would have to play right you're looking at colorado or or calgary i just can't see them losing in the first round this year i just can't yeah i don't see them getting past calgary but i do see them making a making it a good series with calgary I don't see them standing a chance against Colorado. I don't see Dallas standing a chance against either team, but I think Nashville can make a good series against Calgary. Cause don't forget like last year against Carolina, everyone thought they were going to get stomped and they ended up pushing mm-hmm. pretty good to six games. And I think like three or four of them went to overtime. Yeah, no, that was a way closer series than anyone probably anticipated. Right. Um, I know I kind of said Calgary's my dark heart horse to go all the way. But uh, you got to give Edmonton some credit, man. Um, we haven't mentioned them yet. And uh, just with the way they've been playing, too, 7 2 and 1 in their last 10 games, they're getting the goaltending out of Mike Smith. Um, and, you know, the league's top player, Connor McDavid. What, what will him and Dreisaitl do in the playoffs, right? That's the biggest question. And by the looks of it, they're going to be playing LA. So. Um, it looks by the looks of it, it's going to be an Edmonton versus Calgary second round, dude. That's going to be amazing. And that does not bode well for Edmonton. <laughs> no, but I mean, at that point, it's going to be like anything can happen. I mean, there's so many storylines with that matchup. Of course, it's the Battle of Alberta, and you got Lucic who used to play there, and you, all this stuff with the way some of those seasons or some of those players their seasons in Calgary how many players have had career years there this year um you know Markstrom almost signing with Edmonton but signing with Calgary because he gets the extra year uh there's so much there and uh it would be the first time that they've played against each other in the playoffs since the 80s too so that adds to it as well there's just so much so much that can happen there and how awesome would it be because we'd be guaranteeing a Canadian team going to the conference final yeah, but we had a guaranteed Canadian team going deep last year, and oh, that did not work out well. Who wanted to watch fucking Montreal? <laughs> not me, dude. That was a very disappointing, very disappointing Stanley Cup final. I still have no idea how they even beat Vegas in the third round, but besides that, they did, and that's what Any happens when you have an elite goalie teams. in that, right? Right. So, Calgary has that. Just saying. Did you see all the jokes where ve- they're like, Talking today, oh, do you watch Leonard's getting traded to Montreal for fucking Carey Price this summer? 
It's going to happen. <laughs> it was like, I think the joke trade was Leonard Martinez and Dadnoff for Carey Price. <laughs> man, by the sounds of it, he might not be playing a, a lot more, man. He's already 35 years old. He's he's probably just got a couple years left for old Carey Price. So it would be great to see him on a contender because uh, Montreal doesn't look like that team, especially with how good the Atlantic is, it, you know, and how bad Montreal is right now. I just don't see any possibility of him playing any more playoffs with that team. So I'd be definitely okay with him moving on from that team, but it might be a situation where Montreal has to eat some of that salary in order to make that work, right? Oh, they're going to have to. Like, it's going to have to be a three-way trade in order for him to get traded. There's no way at $5 million that's going to be enough. Yeah, yeah. There's your Q, Arizona, so... Hop in, make that happen. Arizona, Seattle should be all over that. Seattle's another team, but I think they're going to put their money towards players and and actually try to be a good hockey team, unlike uh, those Yotes, you know, trying to sell $180 tickets, you know, in their 5,000-person arena or whatever it is. So, yeah, that's crazy, but that's a whole other story. But, yeah, I like our picks for pretenders and contenders. Um, next episode, we're going to do a bit of a, a breakdown, obviously when we have the matchups solidified and then maybe do a playoff bracket. So we'll deep, we'll do another deep dive into that, but, um, we got to move on to some NHL news and notes here, Durham, you know, and some unfortunate news again, this past week, another legend of the game, Gila Fleur has passed away at the age of 70 years old. And, uh, you know, the, the original flower in the NHL as his nickname was back in the day, um, you know, played 17 NHL seasons, spent mostly with Montreal, but had a couple short stints near the, uh, the twilight of his career. They played two years with Quebec and then one year with the Rangers as well. And this was a true legend of the game. Yeah. I mean, way before either of our times, obviously, but that was something you hear from all of our parents or our parents, friends when growing up was just how great Guy Lafleur was and how much respect he commanded from every dressing room he stepped into and how much guys who lucked up to him. And it was amazing. Like you've seen everything going around on social media and Mario Lemieux's big post being a Montreal kid while growing up, idolizing the flower. Yeah, no, it, uh, yeah, so many people talked about it and you hear stories about how many kids back in that day grew up, you know, wanting to be the next Guy Lafleur of the NHL. And of course, you know, like you said, he commanded so much from his own team, but he had so much respect around the league. He was such a well-respected guy and very honorable guy and, uh, you know, played the game the right way. And back in his day too, he was considered like the best skater or, you know, the second best skater in the NHL, of course. Bobby Orr was one of those best guys, too, who was kind of around that same time. But this guy could fly up the ice, too, eh? He, he had wheels. Yeah, just buzzed around out there. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, he did win uh, quite a bit of, uh, you know, trophies, too, in his day. So uh, he ended up getting one Conn Smythe trophy, had two Hart trophies, won two playoff scoring titles, won three Lester Pearson awards, won three Art Ross trophies, won five Stanley Cups, and had six first All-Star team appearances. So that's no joke uh, to have that, uh, you know, in the in the cabinet there for trophies. So uh, that, that's just outstanding. Forget a cabinet. He's got a trophy room. 
Yeah, trophy house. So, you know, rest in peace, Guy Lafleur, and another legend of the game that has passed. So uh, moving on from that, Durham, uh, you know, we're going to throw out some fun stats here because uh, there's been a lot happening around the league here. Starting things off, Johnny Hockey of the Calgary Flames becomes just the 18th player in NHL history to record 85-plus even strength points in a single season. And it's the first time that's happened since the 1995-96 season since Yamir Yager did it. That, that's a wild stat, no? Yeah, I mean, that's nuts. Like, we're talking about a guy who's getting fucking paid this summer. Big time. And uh, especially if he ends up being, uh, you know, somehow pulls off that heart trophy this year because you got he's in the conversation. When you say something like that, he has to be in that conversation. Like, leading the the league in even strength points and being the having the most since 95-96 that's when most of the uh, the game is played at even strength. And th- I don't know. To me, that just proves that he's been an, an absolute dominant player this year when you put up those type of numbers and those stats. So to me, he's in the top three for uh, for Hart Trophy voting. Yeah, he's definitely in the conversation. I don't know where he lands for me. I haven't really he's... put that much thought into it yet. Yeah, for me, it's top three, but it was worth mentioning. Um, You want to take the next stat here? Yeah, Steven Stamkos becomes the franchise-leading point scorer for the Tampa Bay Lightning. He'd pass Marty St. Louis, current head coach of the Montreal Canadiens, in his 14th NHL season. Stamkos currently has 959 points in 918 games and 474 of which are goals. Yeah, he's creeping up uh, 500 goals pretty quickly here. And uh, just a shout out to Stamkos because that's a number one overall pick that has, you know, absolutely proven completely worthy of being picked right there. And, uh, you, you know, the fact that he's already become the the franchise leading point scorer with all the players that St. Louis has had over those years, of course, passing Marty St. Louis, a true legend of that team too, for a number of years. And uh, just speaks volumes of how good Stamkos has been, even though he's dealt with, uh, you know, some injury troubles in those, in a couple seasons. And then of course he broke his leg too in the 2011 or no, not 2011. No, that's 2010. Olympics. Yeah. He was going to the Olympics and then he broke his leg there, missed a bunch of time that season as well. So, um, and it was the next year, I believe 2010, 2011 year, 2011, 2012, where he put up a 60 piece, which is no big deal. Right. Yeah, not a big deal at all, just rifling them into the back of the net. Actually, I was kind of blown away to see how many games played he had, like knowing the big injuries that he had with his broken leg and the blood clot that he had too. Like he was out for a while. He missed a lot of time. I was surprised to see he was getting to a thousand games. Like that's fucking great for him. Yeah, yeah, no kidding. Like if he has a healthy year next year, he could hit a thousand games already. So, um, you know, shout out to him. But moving along here. Matt Duchesne ends up becoming the first 40 goal scorer in in a single season for the Nashville Predators. And uh, not only that, but Nashville, you know, Roman Yossi, their top defenseman, probably going to get that that trophy for best defenseman of the year. Not a big deal. That Norris trophy in his, uh, you know, in his trophy case. He becomes the first defenseman since 1994-1995 to reach the 90-point mark. So, you know, a couple big things happening for the Nashville Predators this season. Of course, we did say they're kind of a pretender in the playoffs. 
they have kind of slowed down as of recently, but I believe uh, Philip Forsberg also hit the 40 goal score too this season. So that just happened uh, just the other night as well, didn't it? Yeah, I think the same game he hit 40, Duchesne had to hit 41. He's like, we can't be tied, bro. That looks uncool. <laughs> yeah, so they're putting up some crazy offensive numbers. And, of course, we've talked about Roman Yossi and, you know, what he's done this season. And, yeah, the fact that he hit 90 points is just incredible. Like, it's just crazy. And I'm trying to think who it was. Was it Ray? I think it was Ray Bork in 1994-95 uh, who hit that 90-point mark. So, <laughs> when you're in the same conversation as Ray Bork, that's uh, probably a good thing. Yeah, certainly won't hurt your resume. Uh, mm -hmm. Had 90 points in a season. Yeah, that's pretty good for a forward. Sir, I play D. Oh, Yeah, like 30 more points almost than the, the year he won the uh, the Norris. So just, just wild. But uh, let's move on to some cracking news, Durham. You want to take this one? Yeah, Seattle signed actually their second round pick from the only draft in their history there. Riker Evans to his three-year entry-level contract. Evans finished a strong WHL career with the Regina Pats, registering 25 goals and 106 assists for 131 points in 195 career games played. He was also a second-team All-Star this season, so boy Riker, and he'll be joining the Charlotte Checkers for their playoff run. Yeah, so that's exciting to get uh, 2021 second rounder uh, officially signed to his entry-level contract. And uh, he, he can become a big part of that Charlotte Checkers team for their playoff run. That's going to be an awesome experience for him. Hoping they can go on a pretty deep playoff run. Uh, that's going to be very key to his growth within this organization because most likely he's going to be playing for them pretty much all year next year with the Charlotte checkers and hopefully playing a nice top four role on their defensive side uh, or in their defensive pairings for the Charlotte checkers. So that's going to be awesome to keep an eye on that as uh, the playoffs start in the AHL. Yeah, that's going to be interesting. And hopefully he's able to have a great run with them and really take hold and establish what it's going to be like for him next year. Yeah, that's going to be huge because uh, Riker Evans, believe it or not, has not played a single playoff game for the Regina Pats, hasn't had a sniff of playoff action with that team. So uh, this is going to be huge for him to be able to get a good playoff push here with uh, Charlotte and be able to get some uh, some extra games in because those are that's what you play for, man. Of course, uh, you know you're 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 trying to grow all the time and. Uh, you know, play as much hockey as possible, but the playoff hockey, that's the best hockey to be a part of. So uh, it's great to see him being able to get that opportunity to actually play in some, some playoff games. So uh, that's not the only news too, out of this, uh, this AHL team here. Uh, you want to take this next one too? Yeah. Joey Decord would end the regular season holding the single season best save percentage for the Charlotte checkers in the franchise history. Throughout 35 games, Joey put up a 19-11-2 record with a 228 goals against average, and that save percentage we were talking about, 925. Yeah, and uh, shout out to Joey Decord for setting that record. That's unbelievable. And, uh, you know, whether or not we do have a goalie who's, you know, tweaked in it, uh, you know, tweaked something right now, whether that's Drager or Grubauer, I, I still don't have that calm. Uh, I don't know exactly why he was called up but uh this guy deserves to see some action just based off that stat alone eh 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, anytime you're able to dominate in a season like that, you should get a little bit of reward, especially from the big club. Yeah. So shout out to Joey Dak, hoping nothing but the best and a nice long uh, playoff run with Charlotte. Of course, he'll be doing that with our boy Riker Evans as well. Um, so yeah, that was just worth mentioning. And of course we talked about Joy Decord earlier on this podcast. So, uh, we'll definitely be keeping a close eye and hopefully be able to watch some of those games. I don't know. We'll have to try to find some way of, uh, streaming some AHL games just to keep an eye on Charlotte and see how the team's doing and, uh, find out who they're going to be matched up against and all that. Yeah. You can't just be watching highlights. No. No, we're going to have to see some of those guys in action with the Charlotte Checkers, of course. And uh, moving right along here, Durham, we got the player of the week. And uh, I know we've been pumping Matty Benier's tires, and he had a great uh, you know, streak of points in, throughout this week. But uh, we got a different player to give player of the week to. Yeah, we're definitely going to go with Yanni Gord here. I mean, he was an absolute water bug out there all week. Four games played, three goals, plus one nine shots on net and four hits just causing shit out there. Yeah, he was a complete water bug. And uh, that's the reason why we're giving it to Yanni Gord again, um, because it's just deserving. He just played so well. And the play he had with Carson Kuhlman throughout this week, all the plays they made, they even had the waved off goal there, which would have took away um, another goal for him. So it, it, it's much deserving. That's all I really have to say about that. Yanni Gord, he just never disappoints, and he's just so fucking fun to watch, man. He's He just loves to be a shift disturber, you know, each shift in and out, and uh, always has a smile on his face too, doesn't he? I was just going to say that. He's always got that shit-eating grin looking at everyone too as he's doing it. Yeah, he, uh, even if he's taking a shot to the face in front of the net after a scrum, I mean – uh, smile on his face every time. He just loves that shit. Just eats it up. But uh, Durham, we got a pretty exciting uh, episode next week too. Eh? We're going to do something fun and we're going to do a little uh, top 10 Seattle Kraken moments of their uh, inaugural season. So looking forward to that. And uh, like we said earlier, we'll do a bit of a bit of a playoff breakdown. And of course, um, you know, Keep you up to date with all of those cracking games left, of course. They got four more games to play out, and uh, it's going to be a fun time, man. Yeah, looking forward to seeing how they close out the end of the year. And, I mean, I know the Kraken aren't going to be in it, but my God, am I ready for playoffs. Oh, I am too, baby. It's going to be so much fun. And uh, But I think it's time to get out of here, man. We've been going at it for a little while here. So uh, have a great week, everyone. And, uh, you know, we're going to be bringing lots of good stuff next week. So uh, peace out, Kraken Nation, and take care.